0: The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Today we're concluding our series, Stand. Next week we're going to be starting a brand new series called A Better Way. I'm really pumped about this series. We're going to be looking at the Nine Fruits of the Spirit. So this this series is actually going to lead us all the way up to Easter and uh, we're going to be talking about this fruit because really if you look at the world today, the fruit of the Spirit, which is a fruit that's produced by the Spirit, and I'm not going to preach the message yet, but it's coming. But these fruit, they, they're so counterculture to the world around us and it's what the world needs to see out of the church. And so uh, so next week we're going to start that series. It's going to be so good. Make sure that That you're here for that. But today we're concluding this series called Stand. And we've been looking at Daniel and some of his friends who were living in Babylon, and where we're talking about how they were able to stand up and stand out in the culture that they found themselves in, and and what it takes for us to do the same thing in the culture we find ourselves in. And today, as we kind of conclude this this series, I want to look at one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And I think it's one of the most famous stories in the Bible, and that's the story of Daniel. In the lion's den. And I'm calling this message this morning, How to Win in the Den. Everybody say, let's win, let's win. in the den. Jesus said this in John 16, 33. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. There, you know, we talked about this a few weeks ago when we were looking at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and I said that you're probably never gonna face a situation in your life where you're threatened with being thrown into a fiery furnace, And you're probably never going to face a situation in your life where you're threatened to be thrown into a den full of hungry lions. Can I get an amen for that, right? That's good news. But you will face trouble. And in life, just because you get saved, just because you make Jesus the Lord of your life, doesn't mean everything's going to be peachy and rosy and good for the rest of your life. You're going to face stuff. That's what Jesus told us us here. You're going to face problems. Trouble. The word he uses there for trouble is this word that means pressured. It means, it means squeezed. It means in circumstances are so difficult that they make you feel crushed. And maybe you find yourself there today. Maybe you find yourself in a place today where you're facing some circumstances that feel a little bit of pressure. We're going to face stuff in our life where sometimes it feels like a lion is breathing down our neck. It feels like there's no hope. There's no way of escape. Like death is looming but I want you to know today, there's good news for you. And the good news is what, what Jesus says next. He says, but take heart. And notice the exclamation point. Take heart. Jesus wanted you to emphatically get this. Take heart. Like, like if you were sending a text to Jesus, and you're like, hey, things aren't looking so good. Jesus is going to text you back. Hey, take heart with like a black heart and a sword emoji beside it. Like take heart. Why? Because he says, I have overcome the world, And when he says overcome, it's this idea of a victory that was won in the past that 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 affects the present and the future. So Jesus is saying this to you: Hey, take heart! I overcame. I won a victory that's going to affect your present and your future. And listen, church: if you're a Christian, the Bible says you're in Christ, and because Jesus overcame, you overcome. So yes, we're going to face trouble, but we can take heart, knowing that Jesus overcame, and we're going to overcome through Him. Can I? Get an amen. amen. So you're going to face trouble, you're going to face problems, but God will be with you in the middle of your problems. He'll, he'll be with you, he'll sustain you, he'll protect you, he'll keep watch over you. And so today we're going to look at some things we can do in our life that we can see in the life of Daniel, some values that I see in Daniel that I believe if we'll begin to work some of these values into our life, they will help us to win in the den. They'll help you to win when the day of trouble comes that we will face in this world. It's gonna come. How do we position ourselves to walk in the victory and and to stand up and stand out in the culture of this world? So Daniel and Lion's this is one of my favorite stories. And you know, it's one of those stories. I would say that Daniel and Lion's is probably like top five Bible stories. Like you think back to children's church if you grew up like me you know children's church like there's certain stories you're going to learn in children's church you're going to hear about these you're going to hear about David and Goliath you're going to hear about Noah and the ark and you're going to hear about Daniel in the lion's den and and here's what kind of happens is like we get this kind of children's ministry idea of it and we become familiar with that idea and I think sometimes we lose you know what's really there like maybe for you you know your idea of Daniel in the lion's den was was your children's church coloring page maybe it looks a little something like this you know you got Daniel and Daniel's, Daniel's, Daniel's good with cats and you know, he's, he's got a perm and, uh, and the angel has a perm and they're, you know, they're just having a good old time. Or maybe, maybe some of you, maybe you grew up in a particular denomination where they did the felt board. You guys remember the felt board stuff they used to do? I'm a kid in the eighties. We did felt board stuff. Maybe this is your image of Daniel in the lion's den, you know? you got Daniel, he's seven, seven years old. (laughs) And the lions look like they could be a part of the greeter team here at New Song Church. (laughs) Well, I want you to know there's more to the story. Somebody say, there's more to the story. story. So I want to help you see the more in the story, because there's some great truths in this story that I believe are going to set you free and set you to win in the den, all right? So Daniel chapter 6. Daniel, at this point in his life, is serving under the third king that he served under, a king named King Darius. And Darius was, history kind of tells us that Darius was like an organizational genius. He was very strategic, uh, very good at, at creating structure, and, and we see that right off the top here in Daniel chapter six, verse one. It says, it pleased Daniel to set over the kingdom 120 set traps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three Governors of whom Daniel was one, and the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. The king would suffer no loss. Here's what that means. Darius understood he can't just do all this on his own. So he's got to create some structure. He's got to create some organization. So he sets these 120 set traps in place. And these are like local government officials. They would be over a certain region, kind of like a mayor. there would be a little mayor over a certain region and kind of care for that group. There's 120 of them. And then there's three governors that oversee the set traps. So there's, you know, Daniel's one of these. So he's probably overseeing about forty of these set traps, helping them to make good decisions and to care for for the the people that they're 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 uh, they're they're caring for. Verse three, it says this. Then Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and set traps because look at this, an excellent spirit was in him. Yeah. An excellent spirit was in him. That was the spirit of God that was in him, causing him to stand out. And the king gave thought. To, to setting him over the whole realm. Okay, so there's these three governors, and Daniel's one of them, overseeing these set traps, and the king is overseeing everybody, and he looks at Daniel, and he sees something in Daniel that just sets him apart. And this is so much a part of the life of Daniel. Daniel. And I believe it's, it's what we're called to be, that there would be something within us, a spirit of God within us, and a work ethic with, within us as Christians, that would cause us to stand out, that people would look at us and go, "Man, there's something different about those people." And so the king sees this in Daniel and he says, "I'm going I'm to put him in a different position. I'm going to create a position for him where he's overseeing everybody. The, he's number two only to me. So how many you know? this is promotion, right? How many of you like promotion? Promotion is great. We love promotion. We love it when, when what we're, our, our hard work and our excellent spirit gets recognized, but, but you also need to realize this. Something you need to recognize about promotion. If you're taking notes, jot this down. When God raises you up, expect people to try to tear you down. It's sad, but it's true. That when God raises you up, sometimes when we get promotion, other people around us see our promotion as a threat against them. And, and what do they do? They become critical they even maybe sometimes look for a way to try to knock you down, make you feel bad. And it's sad because even sometimes it's the people that, that are closest to us that love us the most because maybe they're a little familiar with us. They think they know better about who we really are, what we're really capable of. And that's what happens here. These guys don't like what's going on. Verse four. So the governors and set traps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. So now they're trying to dig up dirt. We don't want him to be over us. We don't want him to have this new level of power because if he has more power, we're probably gonna have less power. If he has more access to the king, that probably means we're gonna have less access to the king, so we don't want that. So let's try to dig up some dirt on him. Let's try to make him look bad and present something to to the king to maybe knock him down a little bit and keep him from this position. It goes on to say, but they could find no charge or fault because, say these next three words with me, he was faithful nor was there any error or fault found in him. So Daniel is so faithful that they're trying to dig up dirt on this guy, trying to find something that they could bring as an accusation against his character to the king, and they can't find a thing. So they, they go from there, verse five. So then these men said, what shall, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So here's what they do. They switch their tactic. We can't dig up any dirt on him. So how about we do this? How about we just try to leverage who he is and manipulate it in such a way as to put him in a bad position? So we know he loves his God. He's faithful to his God. So maybe we can use that against him. So these governors and, and set traps, they come to the king and they say this. It says that they... they the satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom and administrators and satraps, the counselors and advisors, have consulted together to establish a royal statue and, make, uh, and to make a firm decree. Now, this is a lie because Daniel wasn't involved in this. They said all the governors, but he wasn't involved in this. Because if he would have been involved in this, he would have said, no, we're not doing this. And he's the number—he's—he's he's like right there, number two in the kingdom. He would have shot this down. It would have never happened. So they're coming to the king. Here's what they're doing. They're coming to the king, and they're kind of buttering him up a little bit. King live forever. And they come to him with this idea where they try to, to glorify him, make him look big, which is what the enemy does, so that he's not thinking properly and processing this properly. Goes on to say this, the petition was that whoever petitions any God or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into a den of lions. King, you're so great. Live forever. We love you. You're awesome. We, we think we should do this. You're so great. We should just worship you for the next 30 days. And anybody that tries to worship anybody but you, let's kill them. They're saying, King, you're awesome. You're so great. And so he's, he's kind of enjoying this. And they go on to say this, verse eight. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the, and the Persians, which does not alter. So they want him to set this in place in such a way that even he can't change it. Here's why. Because they know that Daniel's going to still pray. They know that he's still going to worship God. We have a problem with my mic? Thank you. So they know that Daniel's still gonna worship his God. He's still gonna be doing what he's always done. And they, and, and they recognize if he's brought before the king, and this is not set in place in such a way to stop it from continuing to happen, that whenever he's brought before the king, he's gonna go, oh, Daniel, I thought you said all the governors were in on this. Daniel wasn't in on this, so what are we doing? And never mind. This, let's just throw this law away. But if he creates it based on the law of the Medes and Persians, even he can't change it. And so they've buttered him up. They got him thinking, you're great, you're, you're, you're amazing, you're so awesome, we're going to worship you in a greater way. They bring all this to him, and he buys into it. It says in verse 9, therefore King Darius signed the written decree. So now Daniel has a decision to make. He has a decision to make. Do I keep doing what I've always done, or do I stop what I've always done, or do I change what I've always done? I, I was thinking about this this week. You know, we, we think about the story of Daniel, Daniel and Lionstein, and I, I kind of processed it from this idea that really what he faced and what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego faced was kind of the same thing. That's what I thought. But if you really think about it, that's not really the case. See, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were told, if you don't bow to our God, we'll kill you. Daniel was told, you can bow to our God or you cannot, but just don't bow to your God. And so, so Daniel isn't faced with this circumstance where if he doesn't bow, he's gonna be thrown in. He really can just, he's got some options. So what are some of his options? Well, one of his options is this. He could just stop praying. Like he could have very easily just made up his mind, you know what, God, it's been a good run. We've had a good run. And, but, but you know, this decree went down and like, they said they'll kill me if I do this. And I figure I'm, I'm more valuable to you here than if I'm dead. Right. So what if, let's just, let's just hit the pause. Just take a little break. 30, uh, doesn't mean I love you any less, but I don't, I don't wanna die. I don't think you want me dead. So let's just hit the pause and then we'll, we'll pick this back up in 30 days. He could have done that. Yeah, right. He could have just said, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm gonna hide it. Right. And I'm gonna fake it. And he could have gone home and he could have pulled the covers over his head and prayed quietly to himself, gone in a closet, hid, hiding, praying in in, in a state of hiding. He could have been praying under his breath, you know. What are you doing, Daniel? Oh, nothing. He could have done that. Or he can just keep on doing what he's always done. So what does Daniel do? Which door does he select? Verse 10 says this. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed. So listen, church. This was not a surprise to him. It's not like he's going to be surprised. Oh, they, they cre- I didn't know they created it all. He knew he knew well that this had been signed. Look at the very next thing that he does. He went home and in his upper room with the windows open toward Jerusalem, he's not he's not hiding this at all. He knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. Look at this last part. As was his custom, since early days. Daniel knew what was on the line here. He knew what would happen. Listen, this was not, the threat here was not that these nice little lions from children's church are going to come cuddle with you. The threat was you're going to die. The lions, I studied this this week. These lions were a form of capital punishment in Babylon. That they they would dig this big pit and they would place these lions into this pit and they would keep them in a state of almost starvation so that they were hungry. They weren't just hungry, they were hangry. Anybody experienced some hanger over the past 21 days during the Daniel fast? These, These lions were on the Daniel fast and they were ticked off about it. They were being forced to do the Daniel fast. So they're not happy, they're hungry. And so what they would do in Babylon is they would take people and they would convict them of a crime and, and they would throw them into this lion's den. And it was, it was a death sentence. As soon as they, they would go into that pit, many times before they would even hit the ground, those lions were so hungry and angry, they would rip them to pieces. This is a very real threat. And, and realize like Daniel, he knows that's what's up against him and he has no real promise from God that God's gonna save him. So he's just, that's his option. And what does he do? He just prays. He just does what he always does. And it's at this point that these men come rushing in. They grab him. They take him before the king. They say, hey, king, remember that law, that decree you just signed? Guess what? Daniel was praying to another god. So, so guess what, king? you got to throw him in the lion's den. And even though King Darius liked Daniel, there's nothing he could do about it. He had to throw him in because of the law of the Medes and the Persians that he had signed. So it says in verse 16, so the king gave the command and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke saying to Daniel, your God, notice these words, whom you serve continually. Whom you serve continually. He will deliver you. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And it goes on to say that that night the king couldn't eat, couldn't sleep. He was tossing, he was turning in his bed all night, and finally at daybreak the next day, he rushed out to the, to the, to the lion's den, it says, and he, he yelled into the lion's den, Daniel, servant of the, the living God, has your God whom you serve continually, there it is again, has he been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. I wonder if that was just a little bit of a rub towards what the guys said to the king earlier, I don't know. Live forever. My God has sent his angel. And theologians will tell you his angel. When the Bible speaks to his angel, it's, it's, mo, it's most likely Jesus himself went into the pit with the lions and closed their mouth. And listen, this is the second time we've seen God showing up in the middle of trouble, showing up in the middle of a fiery furnace, showing up in the middle of a lion's and showing up when things are looking really bad. Jesus is showing up in the middle of that. And I'm, I'm reminded of a verse in the Bible that says, he is the same yesterday, today, And forever say it with me church yesterday today and forever if you're in trouble you're in a fiery furnace you got lions breathing down your neck i believe jesus wants to show up and bring strength to you in that place of trouble he says my god sent his angel and he shut the lion's mouths so they could not hurt me because i was found innocent before him and also O king i have done no wrong before you So King Darius then grabs these other guys. He says this in verse 24, and it gave the command that they brought those men who had accused Daniel and they cast them into the den of lions. And if you know the story from there, these guys get thrown into the pit and before they even hit the ground, the Bible says they are ripped to pieces. So it wasn't that the lions just weren't hungry for some Daniel. They was hungry. It was the mouth of Jesus that was shutting them up. And this is one of those stories That I hope you hear it and there's something inside of you that kind of rises up that goes, that is like goal stuff right there. Like I want to be that kind of follower of Jesus Christ. I want to be that kind of person. I I hope there is a holy fire inside of you that says, this is what I want. I want to be the kind of person who's willing to stand up in the day of trial so that God can, can, can work through me and I can stand out and bring glory to my God. I think that should be something that we all desire. But the question is, how do we get there? Because I don't just believe that Daniel was just highly favored because God just liked him more than everybody else. I believe that it was was a value system that we see in the life of Daniel that caused him, when trouble came, to stand against trouble, to stand through trouble, and to stand out in trouble. So what are the values that we see in Daniel that we can work in our life? I believe there's two values that we see in Daniel, followed by a third value, which I think is produced because of the first two values I want to show you today. But before I jump into that, let me me make a statement. The power to win in the den. We're talking about winning in the den. The power to win in the den comes from the practice we put in outside of the den. It's the practice that we put in when it's calm It's the spiritual disciplines that we have at work in our life. It's the systematic spiritual disciplines we create in our life that help us to win in the den. This is how God put it to me this week. I'll put it in kind of modern day terms. It's never good wisdom to take your first free throws attempts in game seven of the NBA finals down by one point with no time on the clock. That is not a good time to be going, okay, how does this work? Where do I hold the ball? What am I doing here? And yet that's where a lot of people, Christians, find themselves. We find ourselves, we don't spend any time putting in the practice. And so when the moment of trouble comes, we don't know what to do. We don't know what scriptures to stand on. We don't know how to pray. We don't even know the heart of God. So now we're questioning the heart of God. God must not love me. He must not be for me. Because we haven't secured those things in our heart beforehand. We don't know what to do. It was funny, this week I was actually working with my son uh, at basketball, and we were talking about free throws, and I was telling him, you got to shoot free throws every time you come at, out to play basketball. I was like, I, I know it's not the funnest thing in the world. I know, I've been a kid, I know what it's like to go out there, and you're counting down, three, two, one, fading away, hitting the jumper, you know, in your head, ah, yeah, that's, that's fun. <laughs> Standing there at the line shooting 50 free throws is not fun. But but how often do we have the opportunity to shoot the fadeaway jumper to win the game? Not very much. Yeah. But what will happen for him on the regular in games is he'll step up to a line with an opportunity to shoot the ball. Yeah. And if he'll practice when it's calm in the moment when the game's on the line, yeah. he'll know what to do. Yeah. And it's, it's a rhythm for him that he knows exactly where to go. When I was going out there with him, he was, he was shooting his free throws and I was noticing like he, he had this big old routine he was doing because he watches NBA basketball games. And so he was doing like everything he sees the NBA players do. So he's spinning it out in front of him a couple times, dribbling, hand up. I was like, bro, just one spin, grab the ball and shoot. And when he did that, he started hitting them like crazy because he found his rhythm. So often we don't know our rhythm. Because we haven't spent any time practicing, getting our rhythm down, figuring out how to do it so that when the day of trouble comes and the crowd may be cheering against you and there may be pressure and it's on the line, when we're stepping up to that moment where our life is on the line, we know what to do and how to do it. The strength required to stand on the platform of victory when everyone's watching comes from our willingness to obey and be diligent when no one's watching. Why was Daniel able to stand up and and he's now in the Bible and one of these historical figures that we look to and we go, man, that guy did it right. Why? Because he practiced when it was calm. So when the day of trouble came, he knew exactly what to do. He knew exactly how to stand. So three values I see in Daniel that I think are important for us to have in our life. The first one is this, Daniel valued prayer. This is kind of like, duh, right? I mean, obviously Daniel valued prayer. He, he, he wouldn't stop even when his life is on the line. He's willing to die for prayer. And yet, I think so often, Christians, we don't quite understand the power and the value of prayer in our life. And I was thinking about this week. I think there's a number of reasons for that. I, I, I was thinking about, you know, when you think about you ever heard somebody call a prayer warrior? When I think of a prayer warrior, you know what I think of? A grandma. Cause that's what I'd always hear. There's that grandma. She's she's in her house and she's battling for the kingdom. <laughs> and so I kind of go, well, you know, that's great. Like we don't think like I'm going into a war and I'm bringing prayer. Like we don't think that way. Right. I think even the word prayer itself, like we don't, you know, it's not the most aggressive sounding word. You know, words have like a texture to them. You ever notice that? Titanium. <laughs> like that's that's got like that sounds strong and powerful. That's why there's a Ford F-150 Titanium Edition. Words, like, like they create this image, this picture. We were driving down the road on Friday, Sarah and I, and this truck pulled out in front of us and it was this big old work truck, looked like it had been, you know, mudding at some point and it had this big skid on the back of it with all this lumber and it's flying down the road and it pulls in front of us and across the back windshield of this truck, it says, Scorpion! I don't know who the scorpion is. Is it the truck? The dude in the truck? I don't know. But I, it, I noticed this. It didn't say koala. <laughs> like scorpion, rhino, beef. There's a texture. Bread. How many of you guys are excited about Bread. I'm excited about bread. Bread is such a great, I think it's such a great descriptive word for bread. Bread. It sounds like warm, pillowy. I'm going to sleep on a pillow of bread tonight so I can just wake up in the night and be like, nom, nom. bread. Lulu, Lululemon. Lululemon. You guys heard of Lulu Lemon? They, they make workout clothes. My wife swears by their yoga pants, and they're really soft. And I say that not because I've worn them, but because <laughs> but because I felt hers, and they're soft. But, but I was with her one time, and we were in Lululemon, and she's looking at the different yoga pants, and she's trying them on. And so, you know, you're a dude, and you're in a girl's store. At least I thought it was a girl's store. And I'm walking around, and I go over to one side, and I was like, oh, they got dude stuff in here. And I'm looking at the stuff, and it was actually really nice workout gear. I'm kind of checking it out. And then I'm going, I, I can't buy Lululemon guys' workout stuff. I just can't do it. Like, you know, maybe it was called, like, Hank Hank Hambone. That would be a good Maybe somebody needs to come up with that, the guys' version of Lululemon. Hank Hank Hambone. My point is this words have a texture and I think sometimes we, we see prayer the wrong way for whatever reason we don't recognize how powerful it is and so we, what we do is instead of prayer being like a first line of offense we see it as kind of a last line of defense it's kind of like <laughs> prayer's kind of like that really unathletic kid on the playground that you have to pick because he's out there okay I guess I'll take I guess I'll take prayer come on All right, prayer, here's the deal. You're all-time center. Just try to stay out of the way, okay? I know that you're not that useful, but who knows? Maybe something amazing will take place. All right, ready, break. I want you to know this morning, prayer is powerful. Through prayer, we're able to commune with the creator and sustainer of the universe, Through prayer, we can receive wisdom and guidance from God. Through prayer, we can take up our seat of authority, seated in heavenly places above the things of this earth. And Jesus told us what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, what you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. We do that through prayer. Prayer is powerful, guys. James 5.16 says it this way. It says that the prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. Prayer is powerful. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Kneeling to pray gives you strength to stand. Now, I'm not saying you got to physically kneel down when you pray. But what I'm saying is, through prayer, you humble yourself. You lower yourself. Remember what we said last week? When we pray, we're saying, God, I don't got this. I need you to got this with me. And so when you pray, you are lowering yourself to say, God, I'm inviting you in. And when you do that, it empowers God to move in your life and help you. See, prayer gives uh, God earthly license for, for heavenly interference, Through prayer, you're inviting God to come into whatever situation you find yourself in and to move on your behalf and to move mountains and to change things and to help you hear from Him and understand what His call and His will is for your life. Prayer is powerful. Psalms 146 verse 8 says, The Lord raises up those who are bowed down. God will elevate you when you lower yourself to pray. James 4.10 says, humble yourself. That means lower yourself. That's what humble yourself means. Before the Lord and he will lift you up. Yes. When you lower yourself, when you're willing to say, God, I need you, he's able to lift you up. And I think Daniel figured this out. I think he understood through prayer, I can connect with God. Through prayer, I, have the, I, I can have audience with God. I can invite God into my day and so I will pray. And I will pray three times a day, I will make this a part of my life. And that leads me to the next thing is I think Daniel valued consistency. Yeah. I think we see in his life that Daniel valued consistency. There's something to consistency. In verse 10, it says this about Daniel. It says it was his custom since early days. So, so here's what Daniel did. Daniel valued consistency. He, he saw himself. I am a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a part of the kingdom of God. And so as a part of this kingdom of God, I'm gonna pray. And so he made some some decisions, and really, they were pre-decisions. He decided that he was going to pray three times a day. He's a person of prayer, so he's going to pray, and then he's going to, he's going to create a system in his life where he can consistently pray three times a day a day every day he's going to make this a part of his life and that that prayer helped strengthen him helped shape the strength of his life that enabled him to stand up for what was right because here's the thing sometimes because we don't make pre-decisions we end up buying into the options of the world see daniel wasn't even tempted by the option of not praying because he had already pre-decided that he was going to pray And so often the reason why we find ourselves in moments where there's options and we're trying to go, what decision should I make? Is because we haven't already pre-decided because if you pre-decide when the options come, it's not even an option because you've pre-decided. You've made it systematically a part of your life that that there's no, there's no options. I've decided I'm going to follow Jesus and I'm going to do this consistently. That's what Daniel decided to do. And he, he worked this in his life. In fact, a lot of times we, we think of the story of Daniel and, you know, you see the coloring pages and you, see, you hear about this story. And you think, you know, maybe Daniel was in his late 20s, early 30s. You know how old Daniel was when this happened? He's between the age of 83 and 87 years old. And it said that he had made this a custom. It had been his custom since early days. Early days means a part of his life since he was a child. So let's just say, let's just say that he started at 15 years old, which he probably started well before that to make this a a custom of his life. But let's just say 15 for the sake of this illustration. And let's just say he's now 87 years old. That means he had bowed his knee 78,000 times. This was not his first rodeo. This was, this is what he did. And so in the moment of temptation, when an option is given, it's not even an option Because this is who I am. This is what I do. And so I don't care what the rest of the world's doing. This is what I'm going to do. Listen, church, the world is going to give you options and some of the options the world is offering you go against the word of God. So we have to pre-decide that we follow God. We have to pre-decide that what the word says is true and everything else is a lie. We have to pre-decide that this is how I'm gonna fight my battles. This is how I'm gonna walk with God. And so it doesn't matter what options are presented to me. I've already pre-decided, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Daniel valued consistency and it it helped shape his life. And that leads me to the third thing about Daniel. We see this in the life of Daniel is that Daniel valued his heart. Daniel valued his heart. Proverbs 4:23 says this. It says above all else, above all else, guard your heart. Set a guard. Put things in place to protect something very valuable, which is your heart. I was thinking about Daniel this week and how his life must have been, you know? And, and as I thought about it, I thought, man, I bet Daniel felt so out of control most of the time. I mean, you think about the life of Daniel and very early in his life, he's pulled out of everything that he's familiar with. He's pulled away from his home. He's pulled away from his family. His dreams have died. Like everything changes for him overnight and now he's in the middle of Babylon and, and, and they, they're giving him a new name and they're asking him to participate in new cultures. And I promise you, he probably didn't have a lot of control over his schedule. He probably didn't get to decide what his life was gonna look like on a daily basis. He probably lived a life that was very out of his control most of the time. But I think Daniel figured something out. I think Daniel figured out this. If I will control what I can today, I don't have to worry about what I can't control that may come tomorrow. If I'll just control... What I can today. And the reality for Daniel and the reality for, for you and for, for me is we can't control everything. And let me just tell you, if you try to, you're going to get very frustrated. We can't control everything. You can't control what's going on in politics. You can vote. You can, you can share what, you, what, what your opinion is. But you can't control everything. And when you try to, you're going to get, it's not going to be good. You can't control, listen, you can't even control yourself sometimes. Can we all agree on that? (laughs) I can't control other people around us, what they're going to do, how they're going to react, what they're going to think. I can't control that. I can't control what you guys think about us adding a service and putting masks on. I can't control that. But I ain't worried about it. I can't worry about what I can't control. I can just control what God's saying to me. Can't control what your kids are going to do can't control what's going to happen in the economy but here's what Daniel I think figured out and I think what we need to learn is this I can't control what tomorrow may bring but I can control the affection of my heart today I can control by the grace of God through the power of the Holy Spirit I can set my affection today on God and that's what Daniel did he said, I'm gonna control my heart, and my heart is for God. And so I pray every day. And because my affection is for God, I'm gonna set my affection on Him consistently every day so morning noon and night i will pray and i will point the affection of my heart in a culture that's going all over the place i'm going to keep coming back to god i'm going to keep my attention on him i'm going to keep bringing my focus back to him and set my affection on him and i have pre-decided this is how i will live my life and when the option comes to hey you got to stop this no no, no. i'm not going to stop this because if i stop praying now you're controlling the affection of my heart and that ain't going to happen my affection goes to god to god God alone. And I'm not going to hide this because if I hide it, then you're controlling the affection of my heart and I'm not going to let you control the affection of my heart. I can't control everything, but I can't control my heart and I will point it towards Jesus Christ. As for me and my house, I will serve God. I will follow after the Lord. <laughs> Joshua 24:15 says, choose this day. Everybody say this day. This day. We got to choose this day who you're going to serve. Daniel chose every day and throughout the day who he served. And when the moment of trial came, he knew. And he didn't know. He didn't necessarily know if God was going to spare him from the lion's den. But he knew he was going to die with his affections pointed towards God. we got to make decisions, church. We're going to live in a world full of options. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm gonna choose this day, today, who I'm gonna serve. And so my heart belongs to God. So I'm not gonna let the media, I'm not gonna let political opinions steer my affection away from Jesus Christ. Towards an opinion of man or anything else. My heart belongs to God. My heart belongs to God. So I don't I don't worship the culture of this world. I'm not looking for acceptance from the culture of the world. I'm looking for I, I know my acceptance is found in Jesus Christ. My heart belongs to God. My heart belongs to God, so I don't don't worship the desires of my flesh, the ways of the world. I don't don't worship that. My heart belongs to God. I, I don't know what tomorrow may hold. I don't know what tomorrow may hold. You don't know what tomorrow may hold, but I know this. My affection will be toward God, and so I will step into tomorrow, whatever it may bring, knowing that God is with me, and if God is for me, then who can stand against me? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? So I'll step into tomorrow and the uncertainty, what the world calls uncertainty of tomorrow, knowing that I serve a God who stepped in to the lion's den and shut the mouth of the lion. And so I will value my heart being pointed to him. And through and, and because of that, I will create structure and disciplines and systems in my life not to win over the favor of God but to stay connected to God and to point myself where it needs to be pointed. My, my question to you is this, as we're, we're closing out a fast. And it's been an awesome 21 days. We've seen God do some incredible things in our church. I've heard so many great reports from people, healings taking place, breakthroughs taking place. So many awesome things are, are taking place. But the last thing I want is for this to be the pinnacle of 2021. Right. Right. I don't wanna end here and go, okay, now we'll just slowly start this Descent until we jump back up for 2022. Right. But, but here's the thing, if we're not careful, if we don't look at this thing and examine it, then I think it's very easy for that to happen. So my question to you is, what does a win look like for you today? What does valuing and pointing your affection towards Jesus look like today? What spiritual disciplines do you need to put in practice in your life today? So when the day of trouble comes, you're ready to stand there and knock down the shot. What, what does that look like for you? What, what does prayer look like for you for this year? What's, what's the, what value you need to put to be consistent in prayer this year? What, what does that look like, five minutes in prayer, ten minutes in prayer? I'm not asking you to pray for hours and hours, but what does it look like for you? What can you do? What does what your time in the Word look like as we move into the rest of this year? What, what does it look like? I know there's been a lot of really good stuff that's taken place in the fast, and I'm not telling you you've got to stay a vegetarian for the rest of this year. I ain't doing that. I'm eating some meat tonight. <laughs> but now we don't just go crazy. We don't, like, I, I've been, you know, abstaining from social media and now I'm going to go all in. i like, don't do that. <laughs> Put some guards in place. Realize, that, like, your eyes, your ears, your mouth, these are gates to your heart. What are you going to set in place to protect you? What disciplines do you need to set in place? We don't live like the rest of the world. Pastor Josh, you're asking me to live different than everybody else. Yes, I am. You're an alien, just so you know. This is not your home. Amen? So what do you need to do? What do you need to do? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, Go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.